1: And a touchdown!
0: Fell into the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown! Big return for Crowder, 85 yards! There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott, it was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit, hit, hit immediately when he really got the handoff, you know and it. <laughs> the q Oh my gosh! Listen, thank you.
2: From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet, my name is Scott Mason, you can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1 And I am joined to take an in-depth look at the forecast for the 2020 Jets offensive line with the man who is the resident stat geek over at JetsXFactor.com Also the man that this show is named for, that of course is the Chronicles of Nannia with Michael Nannia Michael, I heard you just went on a little vacation, how was it?
3: Yeah, it was pretty good to kind of escape the Jamal Adams drama for a little <laughs> bit, not spending all day reading into, ooh, look, Jamal Adams posted a picture of himself in a Jets uniform. That's a new development. Uh, well, actually, by saying that, I, re- I reveal that I did look at it over the weekend or the past few days. But uh, still, it was fun to get away from some of that for a little bit. But uh, it was fun, went out to the beach for a couple days. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun, and it's good to now get back to talking about Things that really matter, such as George Fant and Alex Lewis.
2: George Fant, Alex Lewis, and the rest of the ragtag bunch of the 2020 Jets offensive line. A lot of new faces, some draft picks, some free agent signings. So you went through and you took a look at all the guys that are the projected starters for the Jets. In 2020, you put together a formula that would tell everybody what the worst case scenario would be for each individual player, the best case scenario, the most likely scenario. And then based on what you did for each player, you put together a most likely scenario, a worst case scenario and a best case scenario for the line collectively. So before we get into all of the individual players and then the collective thoughts, talk to me a little bit about what the criteria was.
3: Yeah, so it is based around pro football-focused grades, and uh, those their grades do get uh, a lot of flack on Twitter when they're posted, and they do come up with some questionable conclusions. And it, it's an objective stat. Their grades, they're you know put together by uh, – it's based on opinions, so it's not completely factual. It's definitely a far-from-perfect system, but it is the best tool that we have for individual – uh, offensive line for evaluating the performance of individual O lineman right now. So there's not much better we can do in terms of uh, trying to just uh, approximate the performance of offensive lineman as individuals. So look, these are this is an imp- imperfect metric, Pro Football Focus grades, but it is the best thing we have right now. So that it's just important to preface that uh, anytime that they're used, that look, it's imperfect, it's objective, it, it's subjective, uh, it's not a, a factual kind of statistic but it's still the best thing we have right now and for the most part their conclusions even though there are some uh, really wild ones that they do come up with for the most part it does line up pretty well with what you would expect what you do see on film so it's not perfect but i think they are a little bit better than given credit for and and, and whether or not i even think that it's still the best that we do have for alignment so pro football focus grades are uh, the basis of this study uh, in terms of projecting how these Jets O-linemen are going to play in, 20, in, in 2020. But uh, I think that's what's most important to understand. Not perfect, but it's the best we have.
2: With that in mind, Michael, let's start with the apple of everybody's eye on the offensive line. The big man, the rookie, Makai Becton, the number 11 overall pick out of Louisville, who is expected to be the starting left tackle in 2020. Talk to me about all three scenarios, best case scenario, worst case scenario, and most likely scenario.
3: Yeah, so for Makai Becton, obviously the, the tough part of projecting him is the fact that he hasn't played in NFL down yet, so there isn't really anything to build off of in terms of, you know, how is he going to play in the league? What are his strengths and weaknesses going to be? Is he going to come into the league and start really low and have a tough first season? Is he going to be about average? Is he going to be an instant superstar? We don't know that yet. So what I did to try to project what he's going to do for the Jets as a rookie is take a look at recent tackles who have been drafted in the top 15 uh, since 2006, so the past 14 seasons, uh, and take a look at how they did in their rookie season. So when you bring it all together, it's really interesting how this group has done. Uh, It's been really boom or bust. There has not been a lot of middle ground. uh, In terms of overall PFF grade, out of the 24 tackles drafted in the top 15, Since 2006, only three of them landed in the middle 20%. So from the 30th percentile uh, up to... Or actually, only three of them landed between the 60th percentile and the 30th. So most of them have been either really good or really bad. And it does lean towards the negative side. The overall average is about the 45th percentile. So if you're looking for a middle ground, that's probably where you would put it for Makai Becton. Somewhere around slightly below average. Overall, And they do tend to do a little bit better in the run game than in the past game. But even though that is the midpoint, what is most likely based on this group of uh, this group of players over the past 14 seasons, it's a lot more likely that he's either great or terrible rather than average, even though that's about the middle point. So it if it seems most likely that's what we're going to get. But the thing that's important to remember here is that whatever he does do is not an indication of what he's going to be down the line. There are quite a few players on this list who had tough starts, at least in terms of pro football focus grade, who actually turned out to be really good. DeBrickshaw Ferguson is one of them, Trent Williams, uh, Jake Matthews. Uh, these are a few different players. Lane Johnson for the Eagles as well. Russell Okung for the Seahawks. Uh, a few different tackles who had below average seasons as rookies who turned out to be pretty good. So it's not the end of his career if he does have a down season. But as a floor there is a pretty like it is. It's pretty likely he could have a rough rookie season. There have been like those guys I just mentioned, plenty of example, plenty examples of top fifteen picks who have not been good as rookies. And you know, it's a tough position to play transitioning into the league, especially for a guy like Becton who's so unique physically. So it, it would not be surprising at all if he really struggled, and it would be a, a rough go for the Jets this year if he did struggle. But again, it doesn't sink him. Long term, So as a floor, there are actually eight of these top eight of these 24 tackles. So about a third of them that landed at the 15th percentile or worse as rookies in overall PFF grade. So there's a decent chance he could be a uh, reliability as a rookie. But as a ceiling, there are seven different or six different tackles that landed in the 70th percentile or above. So, again, there's a really realistic chance that he's going to be either great or terrible in his first season. So as a midpoint, somewhere slightly below average would be about where to expect him. But it seems more likely, at least based on this group of players, that he's going to either hit that ceiling or hit that floor. So uh, really the overall takeaway here is there's a wide range of possibilities for what he could be, but it's not going to have, unless he is phenomenal as a rookie, he's, you know, if he does that, he'll most likely continue to be, phenomenal throughout his career, but uh, there's a wide range of possibilities, and unless he's a phenomenal player's rookie, it's not going to tell you too much about what he's going to be for the rest of his career.
2: Wide range of possibilities for the other projected starter at tackle, George Fant. ...who came in as a free agent out of Seattle. A lot of upside, but a lot of questions. Some sketchy tape, although everybody will point to the Nick Bosa tape... ...which looked pretty good at times. But he's got a lot to prove as a full-time starter. The thing with this is, there could be a monkey wrench thrown in here... ...if Chuma Adoga is able to beat out Fant for the starting job... ...which could happen. It's not out of the realm of possibility... But for the purposes of this exercise, we're going to assume that Fant is going to be the starter in 2020. So talk to me a little bit about the range with him, just like you just did with Becton.
3: Fant is a really interesting projection because a lot of his playing time in the league has not been as a true tackle. He's done a lot of his playing time. Or or 33 out of his 51 career appearances in the regular season and the playoffs have not been... As a full-time tackle, starting and finishing the game as a tackle, he has more starts than 18. I believe he has 22 career starts listed uh, on his career track record. But a few of those, he he got credit for the start, but didn't actually play tackle the whole game because they they the Seahawks did have a few games where they rotated tackles. There were games where, again, Fant started as a six lineman or an extra as an extra lineman, a tackle eligible. Uh, one of those unique positions and started the game that way. But out of his 51 career appearances, only 18 of them were in which he started and finished the game at one tackle spot as the jets are likely expecting him to do. So it's a tough projection because a lot of his best numbers, at least in terms of grading have come in that role where he's been uh, as a tackle eligible player, getting out in space on the edge, blocking that way. And he's put up some pretty good grades in that role, especially in 20 in 2018, His first season back after an ACL injury, he missed all of 2017. And he put up really good grades in 2018, 91st percentile as a run blocker, 53rd as a pass blocker. So if you want to be optimistic and think he could do that full-time as a tackle, I guess you could be. But he's just not performed well in the games where he has actually started and played tackle. So in those 18 games over the course of his career, uh, in which he has started and finished at either left or right tackle, He's posted an overall grade of 52. That would have ranked at the sixth percentile among tackles in 2019. So, and he struggled in both phases pass blocking 55.5. 5, that would be ninth percentile in 2019. Run blocking 50.4. That would have been the 14th percentile in 2019. So, in those games where he started and finished, played tackle, he's really not performed well and he wasn't even. And, Obviously, he did have a poor rookie season in 2016 He missed 2017. But even in 2019, those numbers were not that much better uh, than the, the career track record. They're about the same, actually. So there just hasn't been much progression for him in that role either uh, to go with the poor track record. So it it's tough to really give him a positive projection just because of how, how poor his track record has been when he's played tackle the way that, the, you know, the Jets expect him to. Uh, rather than playing in that uh, the tackle eligible six O line role that he played a lot for them, so if you want to be optimistic, could he improve a little bit? You know, and take what he does in that uh, as a run blocker in space, his athleticism, uh, and project that in a full time role? Then I guess you could be, but we just have not seen enough, even close to enough flashes of that to really uh, put him up there. So I think the most in it seems bleak, but the most realistic way to project fan would be to look at his numbers as a, as a full-time starter at tackle or at left tackle or right tackle. Uh, And those are the numbers I listed earlier, which are barely even starter quality if starter quality at all. And that's about the bottom quartile. And we could probably project that a little higher because a lot of those starts uh, he was uh, filling in for somebody in the middle of the season. And obviously didn't have training camp the offseason to prepare for the role, uh, although he's probably not going to get as much this season as he would other seasons anyway. But, but still, when you're filling in midseason, it's a tough thing to do uh, to just slide into a starting unit that you're not used to playing with. So we can cut him some slack there, maybe project him a little bit higher, around the 20th, 30th percentile overall. But uh, there just has not been an extended track record of good play for fans in a starting tackle role. So it's tough to project him positively. I think the most likely scenario for him is near the bottom, probably better in the run game than the pass game. Maybe you see him close to average in the run game and the bottom tier as a pass blocker, but uh, it's tough to project him positively. He just hasn't shown enough.
2: Michael, George Fant is a little bit old to be that optimistic. It's not like he's coming right out of college, so that's why it makes sense that you say it's hard to be optimistic with him. As he's about to turn 28 years old, which is a full year older than another more established new player on the Jets offensive line. And that, of course, is the center who comes in from Denver, Connor McGovern. I want you to give your objective best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, and most likely scenario on McGovern. And please do your best to refrain from being influenced by the fact that McGovern's family bought Run-CMG shirts on (laughs) JetsXFactor.com.
3: Yeah, it's going to be tough to do that because they did buy the the T-shirts <laughs> from JetX. But, but it, it's hard not to be optimistic about McGovern, regardless of whether or not he bought T-shirts from your website, because he's just a flat-out good player. His grades last season were fantastic, and it was his first season starting at center full-time for the Broncos. 10th best grade among centers, 5th as a pass blocker. 16th in the run game so across the board above average especially uh, elite and pass protection uh, but where his projection gets interesting is the fact that uh, what I just said the fact that this was his first season as a full-time starter so there is not too much to go off of in terms of will he get better will he get worse uh, just because you only have that one season to go off of it isn't necessarily above or below his career norms. He did play quite a bit before that. In 2017, that was his first season as a starter for Denver. He played left guard that season uh, for the Broncos. Uh, And then in 2018, he started off the season there and he moved to center in the middle of the season after Matt Paradis. uh, Actually, he played right guard in 2017, but still he played right guard in 2017, started at right guard in 2018, and then halfway through that season, He replaced the injured Matt Paradis and over the final eight games that season, he played center and his numbers that year were pretty bad. He was the second worst center in terms of overall grade over the, over his final eight games that year, but still it was his first time playing center. He got tossed into the position mid season. So it was a tough situation and he did improve quite a bit in 2019 when he had the full off season to prepare uh, and stepped into the role from week one and carried it throughout the season. So, I think the fair way to look at it going forward is that he m- will, is more likely to trend downward from where he was in 2019 than up just because of the only other games that we have seen from him at center. He was much worse than that. But at the same time, it doesn't seem like he's going to go too close to where he was in 2018 just because of how tough that situation was making his first starts at center after switching there in the middle of the season. So he could go either way. He could trend upward a little bit and progress off of where he was in 2019, or he could step down a little bit closer to his struggles in 2018. But I think what's most likely is that he stays right about where he was in 2019 around that borderline top 10 level. Again, probably a little more likely he goes down than up, uh, even though that potential still does exist for him to get better because he's started less than two seasons worth of games at the position, only 24 for his career, So he definitely has room to get better. He could trend down a little bit, but I think it's pretty likely, uh, especially at his age in the, his prime years. He's not too old. He's not too young. So right there in his prime years, I think it's most likely he stays right about that level he established for the Broncos last season, which is borderline top 10. Maybe he ticks up a little bit, maybe down a little bit, but he was the 10th best graded center last year out of 32 with a 71.9 overall grade. So I would expect him to be right around there in 2020.
0: While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill.
1: Play
2: like a jet. Play like a jet. Moving to the two guard spots, Michael. The first guard that I'm going to give you is the one that we're pretty sure is going to be a starter barring injury. And that's Alex Lewis, who came in last year after a trade via Joe Douglas, bringing him in from the Baltimore Ravens. Played fairly well when he was healthy. Wasn't anything special, but he was good enough. Resigned, so he is projected to start at one of the guard spots. What is the best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, and most
3: likely scenario for Alex Lewis? Well, with Lewis, PFF has given him, uh, I, th- I think po- more. I think they've given him lesser grades than I would probably put him, at least based on what I've seen from watching him. His best season uh, in terms of PFF grades was back in 2016 with Baltimore with a 60.2 grade that was at the 36th percentile. Uh, among guards uh, would have ranked at the 36th percentile among guards in 2019 so they have barely even seen him as more than a bottom third starting guard and I think he's a little bit better than that I think for the Jets this past season he was probably close to uh, around average I think his run blocking is below average his pass blocking a little bit better than that but Uh, this is all we have again all we have to go off of at least in terms of data is the pro football focus grade so at least in terms of what they have tracked and graded him to date, it doesn't seem like he has average or above average potential but at the best for the Jets what I think what you're hoping to get out of Lewis is just a season of solid respectable play he doesn't have to be great doesn't even have to be above average but if you can get average or above average pass protection from him. You can live with below average run blocking uh, and just get a good season of stopgap performance. As Cameron Clark develops, you look for long-term solutions, maybe in the draft next year in free agency. Uh, but just for now, you want to see Lewis give you some solid pass protection and uh, to make up for his lack of just overall, he's not the strongest guy in the world, not too athletic, uh, but he is pr- a pretty technically sound player who is able to hold up decently for uh, for a few stretches of the season in pass protection, even if he has a weak game or two here or there. But at least in terms of numbers, his best season hasn't been that great, but his worst season wasn't too far off from that either. Uh, 18th percentile in 20 uh, – th- that's actually his career average. Over 35 career games, his average grade has been 55.1, which would have ranked at the 18th percentile among guards. Uh, in 2019, which is not promising at all. But uh, I think he's probably going to be a little bit better than that, considering uh, he's a holdover from the line last year. And even though he's probably not going to be playing with anybody that he played with last year because this line is overhauled so much, uh, I think he is has the potential to be a little bit better than that, closer to his best season, which is in that 40th to 50th percentile range. Uh, so that's where I would put Lewis's ceiling around which would be about average for a guard but i think most likely in terms of grading would probably be around the 40th percentile for among starting guards
2: final guard spot this one's kind of tricky because much like we talked about a tackle where adoga could steal that spot from fant brian winters is still here as of now and not only could he steal this guard spot from Greg Van Roten, who's coming in from Carolina, I think if he's healthy, there's a 50-50 shot that he ends up winning that job, so it complicates things a little bit. But for the purpose of this show, we will assume that Van Roten is the guard. What is the best case scenario, the worst case scenario, and the most likely scenario for Greg Van Roten?
3: Well, you're right on Winters. He definitely does shake things up. A little bit i think most of us expected him to not beat the team at this point for the jets to just uh, clear his contract off the books they can take the entire thing off without eating any dead money so i, I think we all assume that would be what would happen and but 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 it seems like at this point that joe douglas is really committed to just building depth and competition especially at this unit so winters is uh has still hung around to this point we'll see how long he does and if he can make a push for that starting spot. But if Greg Van Roten does start at right guard, uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands and what his impact on film looks like compared to the numbers because PFF has liked him in the grading quite a bit. He had a very good season in 2019 according to their grades, 70th percentile in overall grade, 76th percentile in pass protection, and 42nd percentile as a run blocker. So especially in the passing game, he did a solid job. His pressure numbers allowed were pretty low so uh, and, and he's only started two uh, two years in the NFL he played uh, spent quite a bit of time in the CFL up in Canada and 2018, 2019 the only two seasons that he has even played uh, started at all in the NFL uh, and his 26 his 2018 season wasn't quite as good as his 2019 season, his first as a starter in the league so he did show a little bit of a lower floor that season with his struggles in uh, – well, didn't struggle, but in terms of the grades, lower in 2018 to 2019, 39th percentile. Overall, 48th pass blocking, 33rd run blocking. So uh, I think at least looking at these two seasons, that would probably be his floor, those grades that I just mentioned in 2018. And then what he did last year for the Panthers would be his ceiling, which would be around that 70th percentile for guards. But, uh, again, this is another area – another example of maybe the grades straying a little bit. Uh, a little bit away from what you see on film, because I don't think, at least from what I've watched with Greg Van Roten, uh, Joe Blewett should have his film review out on, out on him pretty soon over the next few weeks. I know he's going through some of the free agents right now, but at least from what I've seen, I think Lewis and Van Roten are pretty close. They're just both average, slightly below average guards who don't bring much physically in terms of power or athleticism, but are technically sound, can get it done in pass protection, even if they're... Kind of below average in the run game, but PFF seems to like Van Roten quite a bit, especially in the passing game, and not so much for Alex Lewis. But uh, I think overall, you put those two guys together, that's kind of what you're looking at. Uh, if they both start and stay healthy throughout the season, if the Jets can just get average play between that tandem, and then especially you have Connor McGovern in between them, hopefully stabilizing some of the issues the Jets, the massive issues the Jets have had at center. Over the past few seasons hopefully you can get is an average to above average trio between those three guys and between the two guards just get average play between them two maybe pff likes one more than the other particularly van rowan but if between those two guys you can just get solid respectable play i think that's what you're looking for for the jets but for van rowan at least in terms of his pff grades they did like him quite a bit last year or so if he can land up at the 70th percentile among starting guards again, I think everyone associated with the Jets would take that. I would take that. Uh, anyone with the team would take that if he played, if he truly played at that level, not just what PFF says. But uh, in terms of PFF, they do like him quite a bit. So I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what Van Roten does, if he can beat out Winters for this job. And if he does play, if he can continue to put up the excellent pass protection numbers that he put up for the Panthers last year.
2: Michael, now that you've gone through each of the projected starters on the offensive line and given the best case scenario, the worst case scenario, and the most likely scenario for each of them individually, it's time to do that for them as a collective unit. Based on what you've looked at with all these guys and how they would fit together and the numbers and the stats and everything, What are we looking at in terms of best-case scenario, worst-case scenario, and most likely scenario for their overall collective performance in 2020?
3: So to start off with the ceiling, the way I set the ceiling was looking at for, for the interior trio since we have a little bit to work off with them. I went with Van Roten's best season, Lewis's best season, and for McGovern, his best season or his only season as a starter at center in 2019, and went with their grades in those three years. For Beckton, I took the average of the five best tackles, or actually the 10 best tackles of the past 14 seasons, and took their grades. And for Fant, I found a, a middle ground between his struggles as a starter with his very solid grades as uh, just overall in the games, even where he hasn't played tackle full time. So th- those are realistic best case scenarios. For all of these players, for the interior trio to live up to their best seasons, in to be an upper echelon rookie, and for Fant to find a, a progression, r- Rose a, a progression between his uh, struggles as a starter and some of the higher flashes that he sh- that he has shown. So, if all these things play out, which is extremely unlikely, but for each of these players individually, these are realistic. Ceilings because it is for, you know, for the four veterans about what they have shown at their best in the league and for Becton puts them up with some of the better uh, rookie tackles in recent history. So if all those things play out for those five guys, and of course they stay healthy, then these numbers would put them at an overall grade that would have ranked 11th out of 32 O-lines, 2019, uh, ninth in the passing, ninth in the passing game and 13th in the run game. So that's if everything plays out perfectly, They could be a borderline but not quite top 10 offensive line. So um, if things do play out that well and they rank 11th in the league, that would obviously be a humongous jump and a fantastic stepping stone going forward. But at the same time, the fact that if everything plays out well and they'd still only be 11th in the league, it, it does kind of show that they have a ways to go in terms of talent, especially a left guard, right guard, and right tackle. I think you have your two pieces in place with McGovern and Becton. But there are still three other spots that really need long-term solutions. But in terms of ceiling, if everything plays out perfectly, you could see them be a close to top 10, but still they don't have that talent to be quite elite yet. But realistically, I think average to slightly above average is what you're looking at for ceiling. And to look at the floor, uh, which is kind of the inverse of what I did with the ceiling, looking at the worst seasons of those interior guys for Beckton. If he lands in the lower echelon of what these recent rookie tackles have done, and if Fant plays the way he has as a starter, then the Jets would put up a cumulative grade of 56.2 that would rank 30th in 2019, including 28th in the passing game and 29th in the run game. So the floor is still there for this line to be about as poor as it was last season. Not quite, a, a little bit better. Uh, but there is still some, some serious downside with this unit, especially considering you have a rookie starter in Beckton, You have a guy in George Fant who has never been a full-time 16-week starter in his career. And you have a couple of guards in Lewis and Van Roen who have, uh, or are not the most talented guards in the league and have had some low points uh, throughout their career. So there's still some downside here with this unit if things don't play out well. And uh, if injuries do hit, we still have, uh, have to see how some of the depth does. Josh Andrews has not played much in his career. Chuma Idoga and Brian Winters are still wild cards in all of this. Can Idoga take a second-year leap if he can do that? That would be humongous for the unit. But the floor does – a, a low floor still exists with this unit. That downside is still there if things don't work out. But to find a middle ground if things play out about as we expect them to for all these players, so to take the the middle ground that I found – For all five starters, about in between their ceilings and their floors. The middle ground that I came up with would be a cumulative overall grade of 62.7. That would have ranked 21st in 2019. And to break it down into the two facets, 17th in the passing game and 21st in the run game. Now, if the Jets can do that, I think that would be a it's a realistic and still very positive stepping stone for them. That would be a 10 spot leap from where they graded. Uh, last season and if you can jump over a third of the league in one year i think that is a it's a plenty good step even though they'd still be below average it's still a leaps and bounds above where they were last season when they were just completely incompetent more so than every other team in the league except maybe miami so if they could take a 10 spot leap and rank in that 20 to 23 24 range uh, it would still leave them as a below average unit lots of room to improve but that would be a great stepping stone going forward, and it should be enough for Sam Darnold to have a legitimate chance of showing us uh, showing us his full capability. Even though uh, it still wouldn't be uh, as ideal as you would hope, it would be enough to where it, it's not an excuse for him to not be performing at at least a solid and much improved level. So if they can get up, this unit can get up to the around that range, slightly below average. It would be a, a huge improvement, enough for Sam Darnold. Uh, and uh, something that would be a stepping stone for them going forward. You have Becton likely taking a huge leap next year. Maybe Cameron Clark comes into the picture, and you still have plenty of cap space and time uh, and trade assets to fill out the other three spots, left guard, right guard, uh, and right tackle. And, and again, Chuma Edoga, maybe he takes three years to come into his own, and this year isn't the year he leaps. And you know, it, maybe this is the year he leaps, and because I use George Fan. In this projection, but say Yodoga comes out and beats George Fant and has a really good second season, that could really change the ceiling of this unit because Fant's lack of upside or uh, peaks throughout his career is a huge reason that the ceiling for this unit just isn't very high because we haven't seen much from him throughout his career, any semblance of high level play. So Edoga's huge X factor this year in terms of raising that ceiling, but uh, I think the biggest takeaway is that McGovern and Beckton are huge stepping, uh, huge. Uh, those two guys are centerpieces going forward. If McGovern can continue to be uh, about what he was last season, you should have your franchise center for the next three years. And Beckton brings, immediately brings the ceiling uh, to really take this team to a new level. Even though he is a rookie this year and has some downside, there have been many examples of rookie tackles drafted as highly as he was that have come straight in and played at a high level. So those two guys raised the ceiling much higher than it was last year when you had veterans like Khalil, Osemele, Winters, that just did not have much of a ceiling to offer. Brandon Shell, who uh, had a few years, kind of hit his breakout, never really hit it. And Kelvin Beachum, who's also another established starter. So there wasn't much upside last year. But with McGovern, who played at top 10 level, Becton, uh, who has an unlimited ceiling, there is uh, quite a bit of potential with those two guys, uh, and hopefully with Lewis and Van Roen, you can get average play. And then at right tackle is a huge wild card it, you can get. Uh, if George Fant plays, I would expect him to struggle. Unfortunately, there's just not much to be optimistic about there. But with Chuma Idoga, he's a massive, massive piece of uh, th- this unit's upside this season. If he can overtake Fant, uh, then this unit could look a lot different if Idoga do- can come in and play really well and improve off of last season. He did uh, improve over his last few starts last year. And it's worth noting that uh, he was one of the youngest tackles in the league last year. He had switched positions multiple times after getting thrown into the lineup uh, after the first week of the season. So he did have a lot going against him in his rookie season, even though he struggled quite a bit and he still improved uh, before his season ending injury. So overall, I think that middle ground projection is somewhere around 21st in the league and if they get there I think that would be a very reasonable uh, and realistic leap forward that would be something to be excited about going forward uh, so long as Makai Becton and Connor McGovern uh, are showing you that they are the centerpieces the Jets uh, think that they are when they sign McGovern to the deal they signed him to and drafted uh, Becton with the 11th pick so uh, that's what I would expect somewhere around 21st in the league.
2: If the Jets' offensive line could be 21st in the league in 2020, I would be a very, very happy man. As you said, that would be... As would I, as would I. Yeah, that would be a huge, huge jump from last year where they were, if not the worst, certainly right in contention for the absolute worst in the league. And it would at least give Sam Darnold a fighting chance, like you said. So let's keep our fingers crossed that your most likely scenario actually comes to fruition this year. Michael Nania... Giving us the stats, courtesy of JetsXFactor.com. As always, thanks for coming on for the Chronicles. Hope you have yourself a happy 4th of July. I would ask you what you're doing, but I know you. I know you too well. I know what you're going to be doing on the 4th of July. You're going to be writing more articles at JetsXFactor.com. So tell me a little bit about what you got cooking and what people can expect down the pike if they subscribe over there.
3: Yeah, that's absolutely true. I am going to be writing Jets (laughs) articles on the 4th of July because what else do you do uh, on Independence Day? So today is July 2nd. I put out a ranking today of uh, the defensive fronts the Jets are going to be facing this year, and that is part of a series I've been doing recently, ranking uh, all 13 uh, of, of the 13 opponents the Jets are facing this year, all the different units I've done, wide receivers, quarterbacks, defensive fronts, as I just said, secondaries. Uh, And over the next couple of days, I'll probably be doing tight ends and linebackers. So I think that's a really unique way to look at the schedule instead of just looking at records, win-loss records from last year, which mean absolutely nothing because they change so much. Uh, Taking a look at each unit on the schedule and seeing uh, which are, where are the true strengths and weaknesses of the opponents they're going to face? Are they going to be facing some really good pass defenses? Are they going to be facing pretty weak pass defenses that they can take advantage of? Things like that. It's been really interesting to look at. So uh, that's been the series recently, ranking the opposing units on the Jets schedule. And over the next couple of days, you you could look forward to the tight ends and the linebackers. But uh, plenty of stuff coming out every single day. And it's uh, it's been a blast to do.
2: Check out Michael's work over at JetsXFactor.com and mine as well. Remember, the 2008 Jets, the whole story being told in parts. The first two parts are up at JetsXFactor.com, and this last part was a doozy. Over 3,000 words on Brett Favre, his background, how the Jets ended up getting him after almost getting him 17 years earlier. All the details that are relevant leading up to the acquisition of Favre in 2008 as we work our way through that entire season. And it will, of course, culminate in an audio documentary. Go ahead and subscribe over at JetsXFactor.com if you want to check that series out. And if you want to see everything that Michael, Joe Blewett, and Robbie Sabo are doing over there. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you can go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.